0: Hey guys, welcome to the weekly podcast of Encounter Church, Sedalia, Missouri. It's our prayer that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your life. If you want more information about Encounter Church, please go to our website, encounterchurch.ag. Thanks again. Enjoy the message. well welcome this morning thank you so much for being with us my name is pastor chris i'm excited that you're here i'm delighted that you've chosen to be with us today i believe it's not by mistake or happenstance that you're here i believe that god has ordained this moment and time for you i can't tell you how many services we've come to the end of and and somebody has walked up to me after the service and they would say things like this pastor What you said this morning was exactly what I'm dealing with in my life. Or I had one person one time ask if I had bugged their house. You know how I relate all of this? God knows where you are. God knows what you're dealing with. God knows what you're facing. God knows what the obstacles are that you've encountered this week. He even knows what you're going to encounter this coming week. And you know what? The Bible says he's concerned about every detail of your life. So I challenge you this morning, I challenge you to do more than just fill a seat, I challenge you to do more than just punch the religious time card, but I challenge you to open up your heart and say, Lord, whatever you have in store, God, whatever you wanna do, God, however you wanna speak into my life, Lord, I make myself available to you. Are you willing to do that? If you are, then I believe that God is gonna do something incredible in your life today so we're going to continue in a series found um, in a series that we're simply calling all in we're taking the time to look at what does it mean to move beyond just a casual church attendee What does it mean as a believer to move beyond just hanging out on a Sunday morning, going through an hour and 15 minute long service and waiting for the next week to come to do it all over again? What does it mean to truly become an individual that not only professes to be a follower of Christ, not just attend church, but one that daily engages in a walk with God? Now, pastor, is that really necessary? Absolutely. Absolutely. You see, our walk with Jesus Christ was never meant to be a, a once-a-week item. It wasn't meant to be an a, a activity on our calendar for the week. But it was meant to be a daily engagement, a daily encounter with Jesus Christ. Jesus said, if you want to be my follower, what do you have to do? You have to deny yourself. You've got to take up your cross, and you have to daily walk with him. It doesn't say, and on a Sunday, walk with him, or if you're really spiritual, on a Wednesday night also, or if you're really spiritual, you are part of a life group. It doesn't say that. Now, those are all important things. We need the the smaller community where we gather together and sharpen one another. The Bible directly talks about iron sharpening iron as one man sharpens another. It talks about not, not forsaking the assembling. In other words, not avoiding joining together. We need these times together. But more importantly, in our walk with Christ, we've got to make a decision to say, Lord, I'm willing to be all in. No matter what it takes. No matter the opposition, no matter the difficulty, no matter what I encounter in life, Lord, I'm willing to be all in with you. And I wonder, can you say that this morning? Oh, now right now, if I was to ask you how many of you are willing to be all in, I would venture to say that the majority of the room would raise their hand, why? Because we're in the safe zone. It's kind of like when you were kids, and you were playing tag, and you always identified that tree over there is base. If you get to the base, you're safe. And we would all run like crazy to the tree so we could wrap ourselves around it because we knew if we could just get to the tree, then we'd all be safe, and we wouldn't have to worry about getting tagged. This is your safe zone. But what happens when we get out there? What happens when the Opposition rises. What happens when the rubber meets the road? Are you still willing to be all in? Let me define all in for you. Literally, it means to be completely, completely, look at your neighbor and say 100%. Completely sold out. Completely committed to something what are you committed to today some of you are committed to your hobbies some of you are committed to to your job to your family these are all great things but I wonder what about your walk with Christ see your hobbies your family your job these are all temporary things they're gonna be around for a period of time, 60, 70, 80 years, and, and then they're gonna be gone. But what sort of investment are we making in the eternal? What sort of investment are we making in that which will be with us forever? Can you honestly say, yes, pastor, yes, God, I'm willing to be with all-in I'm completely 100% sold out and committed to you a willingness to be all in and the advancements with God we takes some time we've taken time in this series to look at our response to the voice of God in fact we're looking at a section of the Old Testament Deuteronomy chapter 6 Um, The Jewish people call this the Shema. Why do they call it the Shema? Because that was the first word of this section of Scripture. And it simply says this, Listen, O Israel. That's the Shema, listen. We've talked about the point that we've got to listen to God. And here's the interesting thing about that word listen. It's more than just receiving or, or identifying an audible tone floating through the atmosphere. See, a lot of us, that's what we do. We come in on a Sunday morning by Sunday afternoon. You have no idea what took place Sunday morning. Yeah, we sang a few songs. Yeah, we took an offering. We had communion. pastor talked about something. I'm not really sure what it was, but it was in the Bible. And we go about our day. We perceived audible tones. But this word listen or shema, it literally means to receive and apply and put action to what we've heard. So the Jewish people, they understood the Shema, they understood the importance of this section of scripture so much that two to three times a day, they would recite it. Why? To show their dedication and commitment to God. Then we learn that our relationship with God is to be an unconditional, Love, not a a love like the world has to offer, and we've understood that the world has perverted the idea of love, and I don't have time to to rehash that, but Pastor Andy did an incredible job last week. So we've talked about listening to God and following after Him and and grabbing a hold, but this morning I want to go on and look at the, the portions of our life that we are to apply this love for God. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is God, the Lord alone. And you must, look at that word, that's an important word. It doesn't say, and it's a good idea if you, or I would suggest that you, but what does Moses say? You must, it's imperative. It's vitally important that you, love the lord your god with all your hearts all your soul all your strength you know what that means to me that means we've got to be all in 100 percent committed to completely committed to our walk with jesus christ so we understand that we've got to listen and perceive and and follow after god to pay attention and to obey him. We understand that we've got to love him and that love isn't as the world shows, but it's a love as he's demonstrated to us. But I want to look at where do we apply that love? Now, the Shema, it tells us that the first portion of our life that must be 100% sold out to the things of God is our hearts. Now, let's talk about the heart just a little bit. Uh, in biblical times, the heart was seen as more than just an organ that pumps blood. Now, we understand today how the heart works, the ventricles, the aorta, and all these things, and don't ask me to identify them on a chart because I can't do it anymore. How, how, any of you, can, can you still do that? I can tell you which is left which is right, but that's about it. But they understood that the heart would pump blood, but for them it was so much more. The heart was the center of who you are. Now, the word that was often used for heart was lavav, or sometimes shortened to the word love. Lavav means the inner man, the, the mind, the will, the heart the soul, the understanding. In other words, from the very depths of who we are. It's the place of understanding, the place of desire. It's where our passions and our drive take place. Yet in biblical time, they understood that, yes, the heart was an organ, but they didn't understand the brain as we understand it today. They believed that the heart was also the place where intellectual matters took place. To them you know in your hearts. I just got that feeling in my heart. It's where you understand. It's where wisdom dwells. It's where you differentiate between the truth and error, right and wrong. You feel pain in your heart. It's where you have emotions that take place. Fear is felt in the heart. It's where you experience joy. It's the generator of physical life. It's the center of intellectual and emotional life. It's where you make choices based upon your desires, in essence, it's the center of human existence. It's the core of our lives. Man, that brings the Shema to a whole new level, doesn't it? It's not just loving God where our heart beats. It's not just loving God from the place where the blood is flowing through. It's not just loving God with that that organ in our body because really if you said that you could say love the lord your god with all your spleen it's just an organ love the god with all your abdomen some of us could love god a whole lot more than others but i'm just saying (laughs) but to love god with all that you are to the very core of your existence according to the bible Three things take place in your heart. Three things are determined in your heart. Number one is this, why you say what you say. Why you say what you say is determined in your heart. In fact, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 12, it says, for whatever is in your heart determines what you say. One translation says it this way, for the mouth speaks, you ready for this? What the heart is full of. What is your heart full of today? We can hang out for about 10 minutes and I can tell you exactly what your heart is full of. Bitterness, critical spirit, strife, frustration, hurt, anger, discouragement, doubt, fear. What is your heart full of today? For whatever is in your heart, whatever is in the core of your existence, whatever is at the very innermost part of your being, that's what flows through your mouth. It's an overflow, it's a reservoir of what happens here. The second thing is why you feel what you feel. Hebrews chapter four said it this way, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joint and of marrow, and discerning, here it is, the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Have you ever thought of what are your intentions? That all starts in your heart the very core of who you are. The third thing that takes place in your heart is why you act the way you act. Proverbs 4, 23, guard your heart above what? Oh, let's try that again. Guard your heart above what? All else. It's amazing that the word all is so short, yet it encompasses so much. We are to guard our heart above everything else that we do. Why? Because it's the center, it's the core of our existence. Everything takes place in and through the hearts. Guard your heart above all else. For it determines the course of your life. In other words, it steers and guides, it leads you where you go. It's why you do what you do. It's why you act the way you act. So if my heart determines the way I think, if my heart determines the way I feel, if it determines why I act the way that I act, then my heart is the internal guidance system of my life. It's what God has placed inside of me and you to lead us and guide us. So what do we do with this? I would encourage you to take really good notes this morning. You either got a paper outline as you walked in, or you can go on the Uversion app or go on our church app to the Uversion app and access the notes there. And I encourage you to take really good notes. And perhaps you want to review them a little later this week, because if you're like me, you leave here, and, and you really haven't grabbed everything. I know there's some things, some podcasts that I listen to, that I listen to multiple times. Why? Because I know that each time that I listen to them, I gain, I gain something new. Now, if this was just me speaking up here, then I'd say, listen once, you got plenty. But we're going to do the, our absolute best to dive into the Word of God, to allow the Word To become true. In fact, we just read it a moment ago. The Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the the vision of soul and spirit, of joint and marrow. It It discerns the thoughts and the intentions of our heart. I want to challenge you to allow the Word of God to penetrate the very core of who you are. Some of you, you're here today, and you need the Word of God to cut through that junk. Come on. You've been carrying around a lot of garbage, and we're going to talk about that in just a few moments. You've been piling on, thinking everything's going to be all right, everything's going to be all right, but the more that you pile on, the heavier the load gets, the more frustrated you get, and you're not sure that you can go on. Can I just tell you, with God, you certainly can. Why? Because God goes before you. God paves the way. God gives you a way out. No matter what the situation in, God has already been there. God has already conquered it for you. God's already met the need, and he's ready to walk with you in victory. I want to look at four steps to a heartfelt pursuit of God. Four steps to a heartfelt pursuit of God. We are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, to be all in with Him. What is our first step? Understand that God knows your heart. Understand God knows your heart. Now, some of you in the room, you've you pictured God as this far off, distant being. That shows up every now and again, maybe on a service or maybe on another situation, but really, not really an important daily part of your life. Can I just tell you, God desires to be a part of your every single moment, not just your Sunday morning. In fact, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 5, verse 21, For the Lord sees clearly what a man does, examining every path he takes. God sees exactly where you are. God saw you Friday night. God saw you early this morning. He knows the thoughts that you have. He knows the actions that you take. He knows what's stirring inside the core of your being today. Nothing is a secret to God. Nothing's a surprise to him does that bother you does that scare you at all can I be pretty honest and transparent with you truth be told sometimes it bothers me because I know me you may have things that you would like to keep a secret from God But let me tell you something this morning that's going to take a load off your shoulders. He already knows. Many people think they're fooling God. Somehow he doesn't see the things that they do. He doesn't see the thoughts that they have. He doesn't see what's stirring on the innermost part of their life. But I'm here to tell you, He does, he sees right through your everything. And the good news is, now that you know that he knows everything, you don't have to fake it. Did you feel that load go whoosh? You don't have to put on this mask anymore. You can literally be like, God, forgive me for my stupidity. Have you ever said that to God? God, forgive me for just the dumb things that I do. I don't understand. Lord, I know that you already know my actions. Lord, I know that you already know my thoughts. And oftentimes we we justify, well, I may have had the thought, but I didn't do it like they did it. They acted on that thought. But Jesus himself said, if you've just thought it, you've already done it. God already knows, you may fool some people, you may fool those around you, but you're never gonna fool God. And the amazing thing is this, God knows every single thing about you and he still loves you. What? Come on, wrap yourself around that for a moment. God knows, The real you, the behind closed doors you. The you that some people have never, ever, ever seen before. The you that no one in this room is familiar with. And he still loves you. Well, pastor, how do you know that? Because the Bible says that while we're still sinners, Jesus loved us enough to die on the cross. That's love. That while we were still making dumb choices, Jesus willfully gave himself. Let me give you another little thing that's going to help you out here. There's nothing you can ever do to make God love you more. And truth be told, there's nothing that you can ever do to make God love you less. God loves you. He may not like what you're doing, but he loves you. And he's giving you a way out of that struggle. He loves you too much for you to stay the way you are. For God so loved you. That he sent Jesus to die on the cross. Psalm 44 says this, God knows the secrets of every heart. You're not avoiding, you're not hiding out. God hasn't overlooked you, he doesn't miss you, he sees right where you are. Every single one of us today, he knows our track record, he knows our thoughts, he knows our motives, he knows our behaviors, and yet he still loves us your life is an open book to god nothing is out of his sights he not only sees what you do he sees the reasons why you do the things you do why you say the things you say and as long as you think that you're hiding from god listen carefully your heart will remain impure your heart will remain tainted, contaminated, if you would. As long as we keep thinking, well, I can hide from God, God will never know, God will never find out, I'll just kind of hide here in the corner, I'll push that into the back portion of my aorta and he won't find it there. As long as we keep doing that, there's going to be no recovery, if you would, no healing, no restoration, because we're holding on to that junk. It's time to do something about it. You must love the Lord your God with all your hearts. Oh, well, pastor, I love God with my heart. The question is not, do you love him with your heart, do you love him with? all your heart. Big difference. Huge difference between loving God with our hearts And truly loving God with every single morsel of the innermost part of our being, our our thoughts, our desires, our longings, our our passions, our drive, all of those things. Are we willing to place all of that before him, to give all of that to him and say, Lord, you already see it. God, you already know where I am. God, you already know what I'm going through. God, I'm going to love you through it all. The second step is this we've got to gain a personal understanding of our hearts see some of us have deceived ourselves we've deceived ourselves to thinking i'm okay everyone does this everyone has these thoughts we justify our behaviors we justify our responses we push it to the side but Truth be told, we've got to have a real personal understanding. In fact, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians, examine yourself. Oh, now, come on. We're really, really good at examining someone else, right? We're really good about saying, well, I can't believe what John did the other day. I can't believe the action that Susan took. I saw her at work, I saw her at Wally World. Man, i would tell you, I've said this before, I love, love finding you at Walmart. Because here's what I'm gonna do, I promise you, I'm telling you, this is gonna happen. I'm gonna take my cart, I'm gonna sneak up behind you, I'm gonna bump you with my cart. I'm just telling you, it's gonna happen because here's the response that I often get. Oh, hi, pastor. <laughs> I'm just saying it may happen one of these days. Get ready. Examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Man, he says the same thing twice, doesn't he? Examine and test Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. One translation says, as you've done the test, if you can't find Jesus, guess what? He's missing. Examine yourself today. Personally understand your heart. Let me ask you a personal question. What does your heart look like today. Now I'm not talking about, you know, the blockages or anything else. I'm talking about what does your spiritual heart look like? Are there things taking up space that God so greatly desires? The heart represents the real you, the very core of who you are. Jesus is not just interested in reforming your manners or changing the external. He desires to change you at the core. Romans chapter 12 says this, let God transform you by renewing the way you Think, in other words, from the innermost part of who you are. Let God begin to cut away. Let God begin to work in you. Why? So that we can become more and more like him. In Matthew chapter five, Jesus says it this way, blessed are those with pure hearts. Now, if he would have just said, blessed are those that are outwardly pure, for they will see God. That would have made a lot of religious folks happy. Right? That would have made a lot of us happy. Because we can clean up the outside real well. If about a ten minute shower, a little bit of a shave, a little bit of deodorant and cologne. We're good. Right? A fresh haircut, man. We are set. We're ready to take the world by storm. But Jesus didn't say, blessed are those that look really good on the outside. But he says, no, no, no. Let's take a moment. Let's go to the very core of your existence. What does your heart look like? What's happening on the inside? I want to challenge you today to do a personal examination of self. I'm not asking you to do an examination of your spouse, your friend, your kids, your mom, your dad, grandma, anybody else. I'm saying what's happening at the core of who you are. You see, the religious people in Jesus' day, they would have loved for Jesus to say, blessed are those who are gussied up on the outside, but they'll be blessed by God. But he began to look at the hearts They were really good on the outside. We talked about the mitzvot on week one, 613 rules that they followed, things they could do and things they couldn't do, what they could eat, what they couldn't eat, how far they could walk on the Sabbath, what they could do on the Sabbath, what they couldn't do on the Sabbath. All of these rules, they were really good at following those. But here's what I've discovered. You can never fix the inside by just trying to clean up the outside. You can never fix the inside by just cleaning up the outside. I've been working on my deck, truth be told, for a couple of years now. It's a process. Don't give my wife any ammunition here, come on. But here's what I discovered. When I first started working on my deck, there were three boards that I noticed had some rot on them. Now I had freshly stained it about a year and a half before that, but the stain didn't really take like it should have taken, and I found three boards right in the middle of the the decking, the floor, and I began to take out those boards. And then I realized that as I took out those three boards, that another board beside that board was bad as well. So I took that one out. And then I noticed another board beside that one was out. And, and I took that out as well. And ended up really replacing about 90% of the floor and a good portion of the railings, all which started with three boards. Now, I could have just said, you know what? Let me just mask this over. Let me just get a really thick stain of some sort. Let me just cover all this up and it'll look really, really good. Right? Until that moment that you step out and step through. (laughs) You see, we can never fix the inside by just trying to clean up the outside. We've got to personally examined, I had to go through those boards and I'm, I'm pulling away a board and I'm, I'm checking the sides. The top and the bottom all looked good, they were solid, but it was the side of the board that was hidden between boards that I discovered was soft. And it was only when I began to pull away some of the junk that I discovered the problem at the very core of the deck. Some of us here today, we need to do a personal examination. You may have to move a few things. You may have to discard some old junk to truly discover where the rot is in your hearts. And see, here's a third step. First, we've got to understand that God already sees it. God sees where you are. He knows everything about your life. Second thing is we've got to do a personal examination, but the third step requires some action. We've got to rid our heart of foreign matter. we have got to rid your heart of the foreign matter in your life, the things that are tainting your existence, the things that are keeping the spiritual blood from pumping and flowing the way that it needs to flow. And I wonder, are there things in your heart, as you began to do that personal examination, as you begin to to rip away those boards and that junk in your heart, are there things that you've got to get rid of because they've tainted your true personal relationship, your ability to go all in with Jesus? See, there are some of us in the room today, some of us that are watching online today, that we truly need a spiritual heart calf. We need spiritual bypass surgery. We've got so much junk in there, so many blockages that are keeping the life from really flowing through our heart the way that it should. It's been said that there are those that will miss heaven by 12 to 14 inches. Pastor, what's that mean? That's the distance between your head and your heart. There are some of us in the room today that we've got the head knowledge, we can quote the scripture, but can I just tell you, just quoting scripture is not gonna do you any good. In fact, Satan knows the scripture real well. He used it against Jesus. But can I just tell you, until you apply it to your heart, listen, O oh Israel, listen, O oh Encounter Church. Until we perceive that audible sound and begin to apply it to our hearts, until we begin to move forward with God in action, a daily commitment, all in, throwing it all on the table, until we come to that place of saying, Lord, remove the foreign matter in my life. Until we come to that place, we will never truly begin to live. The process of cleansing our hearts begins when we truly understand who we are on our own. Do you know who you are on your own? You're a sinner in need of God's grace. Truth be told, by yourself, you're just a scoundrel. You're a sinner in need of God's grace, in need of God's forgiveness. It was St. Augustine that said it this way. Before God can deliver us from ourselves, we must undeceive ourselves. Some of us have deceived ourselves. We've gotta take the time to really identify that foreign matter, to identify what it is that's holding us back. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter seven. It says, therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything. Come on, look at the person on the other side of you. Early you grab this person, look at your second choice, and tell them this morning, everything. Purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Now, what are the promises? He says, therefore, since we have these promises, what is that? Well, go back to chapter 6, and it says this, for we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people, come on. Therefore, come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Come on, man. Don't touch their filthy things and I will welcome you and I'll be your father and you'll be my sons and my daughters, says the Lord. God says, I'm going to walk side by side with you. I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people. Then he gives us a a declarative. He says, come out from among them. That's identifying. That's personally examining. That's realizing what's going on. And that's willingly saying, God, take it all. The creator of the universe wants to walk with you today. And in verse one of chapter seven, he uses the word everything, everything that contaminates. And I wonder, what are the everythings that contaminate your hearts today? Have you ever made a list of them? As you're examining, as you're doing that personal once over in your life, I wanna challenge you. Begin to make a list. I'm here to tell you, it's gonna be ugly. But start with one. What is one thing, what's one roadblock that you can identify immediately what comes to mind that stunts the heartfelt pursuits of God? Maybe it's lying, lust, anger, gossip, greed. The list goes on and on, whatever that happens to be. What is that thing that is holding you back from a deep, heartfelt relationship with God? Because here's the deal, if you can't identify it, you'll never be able to defeat it. Right? If you can't identify it, you're never going to be able to conquer that problem in your life because you're going to continue and continue and continue to avoid it day in and day out, over and over, pushing it in the back corner. We've got to come to the place that we identify that issue and we give it to God. Our final step this morning, step number four, allow God to give you a New heart, there are some of you in the room that you are so beyond a heart calf. Come on. There's some of you that are watching online this morning, you are beyond bypass surgery. We are in need of a, a new heart. And I love this scripture in Ezekiel chapter 36. It says, and I will give you a new heart's I'll put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. I wonder, is your heart stony and and stubborn? Again, the Jewish people thought this was a big issue. The very heart, the very core of our existence. Moses at one point said, man, we need to do a spiritual circumcision of the hearts. I don't think I need to go into detail there. <laughs> Suffice it to say, we got to cut away some stuff. What is it that contaminates the core of your heart so that you can truly love God with we'll every morsel of your heart? In the book Primal by Pastor Mark Batterson, he brings out a really interesting um, thought. He says, when a patient goes in for a heart transplant, And I just had one of our young adults talk to me about this a couple weeks ago as well. He says, they don't just come out with a a new new heart, a new organ. They receive a new cellular memory. In other words, they have a new sensory response. They have new cravings. They have new habits. Come on, can you imagine that? You go in for heart surgery, go in and hating the McDonald's McRib. That's why you had to have heart surgery. And you come out craving the fall when the rib comes out. Come on, somebody. That's a little spiritual moment right there. Can you imagine that? Sure you can, because that's what God does. That's what God does in you. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life. That old behavior, it's gone and a new life has begun. The moment we give ourselves to God, it's like he places us on the operating table, the spiritual operating table, and he takes out that old, stony, stubborn heart and he said, this was not gonna work anymore. I've got a new heart and he takes his heart and he gives it to us. Oh, come so on. Suddenly our heartbeats for the things of God. His desires become our desires. His passions become our passions. His longing becomes our longing. No longer that old lifestyle, but a new behavior, a new response. I wonder, are you in need of a New heart today. James chapter 4 says, Quit dabbling in sin. Purify your inner life. Come on, look at that. Your inner life. Quit playing the field. Quit playing games. We've got to give God control. It goes on in verse 9, according to the message paraphrase, that we've got to truly get serious. Really serious with God. If we're going to love God with all of our hearts, it's going to require some spiritual surgery. It's going to require that we we give him some of that junk, all that junk. It's going to require that we willfully surrender ourselves to Him. Lord, you see where I am. God, you see the contaminants. God, you see the things that are slowing me down in my pursuit of you. But today, I give you my Are you, ready? Are you ready to go all in with God? Listen, oh Israel. Listen, Encounter Church. God, we call out to you today, fully admitting that we can't do this alone. Lord, we're going to start by giving it to you. Whatever the junk is, whatever the contaminants, we know that you are so well familiar with. Lord, help us to identify it. Help us to lay it before you. And Lord, would you take it? Lord, would you replace our heart with your hearts? Lord, we want to represent you. More of you and less of us. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, you're here today. You'll say, Pastor, I, I needed that. Because there's some junk in my life that I've got to get rid of. See, there's two questions I want to ask you this morning. First off, is a question I ask every week, the most important question you'll ever be asked. Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the starting point of all of this. The good news for you is the Bible is very clear that if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness, all the wrong we've ever, ever done. How can He do that? Because He already knows. He already sees your heart. He sees your motives. sees your actions. Bible also says that every one of us messes up, so you're not alone. We've either been there in the past or we're there right now. So you're here today and you say, Pastor, I I need to give my life to Jesus. I want to ask him to forgive me. I promise you this. I will not embarrass you. This is the greatest decision you'll ever make and I want to walk side by side with you. We want to join together with you. Why? Because you're part of our family. We love you. You're here, and you say, Pastor, that's me. I need to give my life to Jesus. Would you raise your hand? Would you let me pray with you today? Come on, I really sense, yes, there's one. I really sense there's some people, there's two. Come on, you're not alone. There's three. Now's your moment. The Bible says, God desires that none will perish, but all will come to that place of repentance. It says, today is the day of salvation. Now is your moment. Is that you? Any others? Three seconds. Don't miss out. Two seconds. God loves you today. Last call. Second question is this, you're here today and you say, Pastor, I've got a relationship with Jesus, but truth be told, I need some spiritual heart surgery. There's some contaminants. There's some things. You may not be at a 90% blockage, but you may be at about a 40% blockage, 20%. Whatever it is, it's a contaminant. And if you leave it there, if you don't identify it, it's going to continue to grow. It's going to cause issues, a separation. If that's you today, you want, to, you want to let God take control. You want God to meet that need. You want God to see you where you are. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Yes, hands going up all over the room. Yes, 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 yes. Yes. Would you stand with me today? I'm going to ask my prayer partners, get every prayer partner in the room, to come and line the front. I've got a bunch of people that are getting ready to respond. Every prayer partner I have in the room today, line the front. As the worship team begins to sing this song, if you raised your hand, or maybe God's stirring you, and for some reason you didn't raise your hand, but you know that you need to respond, I would encourage you to step out of your seat as they begin to sing this song and let God meet you right here and right now. Tell them why you've come. They want to pray with you today. Are you ready? Here we go.